Hi guys, and welcome back to the Perspective Podcast, where we explore money through a spiritual lens. Today we're going to talk about our money stories and limiting beliefs around money. This is a polarizing topic because most of us did not grow up talking openly about this with our families. So I'm going to share my own money story with you and give you some tips on looking at your own, but also explain the steps you need to take to begin working through your own money blocks. What is your money story? How did you grow up? What was your childhood like? All of the experiences that you had as a child, even to your teenage years and beyond, embed themselves into the subconscious part of your brain. So that aspect of the brain, that subconscious, is what's really running the show. It's what's running your life. It's what's helping you make decisions on a daily basis. Your subconscious creates your reality. And our subconscious brain is just always running, always running on the back end, like this motor constantly helping you make decisions without you even realizing it. So your money experiences as a child, how you grew up, your own parents' money stories have such a massive impact on how you view the world today and your mindset around money. So let's look at our money story. I'm going to share mine today because I think it may help you look at yours. I grew up in a middle upper class family. All of my needs were met. And you might think, well, if you grow up with money, wealthy or upper middle class, you don't have money issues. You don't have money blocks. But the reality is that many, 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 even very wealthy people have money blocks because their parents had money blocks and their parents' mindset around money influenced them. And that can be said for me as well. So even though I grew up in this upper middle class family, my parents were complete opposites and they loved each other very much. They remained married until my dad passed away, but my dad grew up fairly well off. He was the youngest child of two, but they were more than 10 years apart. So by the time my dad showed up, his parents were middle-aged and they were doing well financially. My grandfather had started a business in our hometown and was very well known for this business. And I don't think they really had to worry about money at all. So imagine, you know, my father growing up in this scenario where it was almost like he was an only child who, who really had everything he wanted growing up. I'm not going to say entitled, but because his parents were very strict, but he did have privilege, quite a bit of privilege. <clears throat> and I think he thought that there was just this money tree sprouting out of his backyard. <laughs> so he carried that into his marriage with my mother. He grew up that way, but he could never really find his true passion and purpose. He was always searching for it. And he ended up working in the family business and he was not satisfied. He was never satisfied. He made pretty good money, but it was never enough because he was such an impulse spender and he really didn't understand how to look at your money or how to budget. He took on quite a bit of debt 
He was impulsive. He ate breakfast out every day. He ate lunch out every day. He just never took any time to look closely at cash flow. He didn't worry about money. He didn't save for retirement at all. He didn't save for my college. He didn't save at all. He only knew how to spend. And as a child, it was super fun because I'd love to go out with my dad. He'd be like, hey, let's go to lunch. Hey, let's go shopping. Let's do this. Let's do that. Not to an extreme, but I just remember him not really having any worries over spending money. But conversely, when I look at my mom, she grew up with very little money. She grew up in a family with three children and one earner, my grandfather, who had a very blue collar job. And he was raising three children on his one income and taking care of his stay at home wife. And that's how it was in the 40s and 50s. It was very common for the man to go out and earn the money and everybody stays at home, but you also had to be incredibly frugal. And so holidays, the kids might not get very much. They might even get one small gift. And my grandfather said he used to get nothing at Christmas. So she grew up so differently. And because she grew up without very much, of course, she carried that into her adulthood. And she was a very and is a very conservative person to this day. She doesn't like to spend very much money. It makes her nervous. She has a bit of a scarcity mindset. But what she did have was the smarts to save for herself, for her retirement. Even though she may have not invested it or known how to invest it, she was quite good at saving. And she did instill that into myself and my sister, regardless of what my dad thought about it, which I love. So you can see I had this polarity growing up, this ambiguity around money. Even though we were upper middle class, it was always this passive aggressiveness from my mom towards my dad around spending money and vice versa, his complete disregard for her feelings about it, which creates tension, right? There was this underlying tension in their marriage. It was never spoken. It was just there. And so when I ask myself, okay, what, what is my money story? What did I take away from that experience? I think that ambiguity continued into my 30s, being unsure of what to do. On the one hand, liking spending because I inherited that from my dad. And on the other hand, knowing I needed to save, but I needed to be really conservative and being afraid of spending because of my mom and that environment that I grew up in. But I'm blessed in that I didn't really have any major money blocks growing up until I experienced a pretty major trauma, and that was when my father passed away when I was 19 years old. My father was diagnosed with extremely aggressive cancer, and he was dead within six months. That was incredibly hard for me. I was a daddy's girl through and through. And rather than process that grief, which I had no idea how to do at 19, I chose to ignore it. I chose to live my life. I chose to head straight to school the day after his funeral and just continue to live and say, I got this. I'm going to make you proud. What I didn't know is that by not processing that trauma, 
that grief, it would manifest in other areas of my life through, again, the subconscious, right? Totally unaware of what's happening. My life started to spiral a little bit out of control. And I developed major control issues. I can look back now and see that at the time I did not know what was going on. I just thought I was depressed. But I look back now, I realize that control began when he passed away. Control around eating, control around emotions, control around my relationship with my then boyfriend, now husband, and most importantly, control of money. I developed a need to control my money. I stopped wanting to do fun things. And I'm talking things like just go out for a cup of coffee with a girlfriend. I was too afraid to spend money on that. I was too afraid to go on a trip or travel. I just developed this crazy scarcity mindset. Like there's never going to be enough. Like I have to take care of my family now. Even though that wasn't true, I wasn't sending my family money. My mom was still taking care of me financially, but I had this mindset that I have to take care. And that is often a trait of older children, by the way, that people pleasing mentality of I have to take care of everyone around me. It only got exacerbated when my dad passed. I can look back now and see that even as a child, I had elements of this because there was this tension in the marriage. And I was a complete opposite of my sister. I often played the role of the mediator or the people pleaser. And that really impacted me later on because I carried these people pleasing tendencies with me to this day. <laughs> okay. So you, you, my friends listening right now are not immune from these subconscious behaviors and thoughts that are going on in the background of your brain. You have them just like I do. And the only way to bring them to the surface and to recognize them and realize what's happening, name it to tame it, I love that phrase, is to start to become conscious of the patterns that you are exhibiting in your own life. So let's talk about how to do that today. I've mentioned the scarcity pattern. That's been my pattern, the scarcity and the people-pleasing since I can remember, which got so much worse when my dad passed, but I didn't figure that out on my own. I think it's important to realize that we sometimes need outside help when it comes to looking at the subconscious and rewiring the subconscious. It's not easy to look at ourselves in an objective way. We see things from a biased perspective, every single one of us based on our own experiences. But it's only when we start to work with someone outside of ourselves, such as a therapist, that they can help us identify our money blocks and our patterns. So I would say, number one, the best thing you could do to start to identify your money blocks and your patterns is to begin work with a therapist or an energy specialist. The reason I say therapist or energy specialist is I did therapy and it helped but it didn't help tackle the energetics of what I was feeling. It didn't help me move emotion out of my energetic body. Working with an energy therapist, 
I don't like to use the word healer. I think we heal ourselves. No one is out here to heal us. We work with someone who can help us heal ourselves. I work with a medical intuitive, for example. She is phenomenal. We work together twice a month because the emotional body, the trauma that we're carrying transcends into our physical body. The physical body gives us clues about the emotional body. Therapy can help us bring light to the areas we want to work on, but only energy work can really help us move it out of the physical and emotional body. That's very, very important to understand. Because if we can't move that out, if we can't move that dense energy out, it does manifest in our physical body as illness. I am dealing with so many physical issues, chronic issues that have just gotten worse and worse and worse over the last decade. And it's only in the last few years that I've realized every single one of these physical issues is rooted in the emotional and the energetic realms. Okay. It's important to talk about that. Yes, this does have to do with your money because if you are carrying scarcity mindset or, you know, impulsive mindset or a fear-based mindset, or you're, you have not processed trauma, you have trauma. You have some level of trauma. We all do. It doesn't have to be a death. It can be something very, very small from a childhood event. If we're carrying that, it is eventually going to impact our physical body. If we want to transmute that and move it out and move forward and understand our money and master our money truly in every sense, we have to look very deeply at the stories we are telling ourselves. Working with that outside person, to me, is key. Now, with that said, I have all types of listeners. And I want you to know that if you can't afford that right now, that's okay. There are still things that you can do right now to begin to work on this area. So what can you do without an outside person? You can journal. You can write out your money story. I think every single person listening right now, including myself, needs to write out their money story. Just start writing about your parents' experiences and childhood as it relates to money, if you know it. And if they're alive and you don't know, talk to them about it. Ask them, what was it like to grow up? in your household? How did you look at money? Was there enough food on the table? If you've never asked them, it's very powerful to find out how they grew up to then help you understand why they did the things they did in your childhood with money. Journal that story, their story, and then your own from a young age all the way into wherever you are today. Just start writing, let it flow. What were your thoughts and feelings, emotions around money? What did you believe about money, good or bad? And what are the areas you know you need to work on that could be holding you back? The next thing you can do is meditation and affirmation. If you are not meditating currently, I highly recommend that you just spend some time learning how to meditate. You do have to learn how to sit and be still with your body. That is a challenge in our 
in today's day and age. We are bombarded with so many different distractions in the form of technology and so many to-dos with our jobs and our and then so many tasks with our families, especially if we have kids. It's not so easy to just sit and be. But learning to meditate and learning to look eventually as you learn to meditate and sit for longer periods, at least I'd say 10 minutes, um, using guided meditation through an app like Insight Timer can really help you hash out the subconscious beliefs you have around money. There are so many fantastic guided meditations out there. Specifically, I would look at ones focused on your inner child. Okay. So, and then when you're in that meditation, focus on what comes up around money and also shadow work. You know, what, what I'm talking about today, that really is just shadow work. What is the shadow? What are the negative associations you have with money or wealth? Find some great meditations. And the key to that is to just meditate consistently. It can be five minutes. For a long time, I thought I had to do a 40-minute meditation. And I felt like a failure when I couldn't sit and do it. And I've realized today as a mom that, hey, five minutes is five minutes. And after I get off this podcast today, I'm going to sit on my cushion for approximately five to 10 minutes do some deep breathing, light my Palo Santo, and just let it go. That's meditation. It doesn't have to be perfect. But the consistency is key. And while you're doing it, try to focus on that inner child and your beliefs around money. So the next piece is affirmation. Affirmation can be used to rewire the brain. So once you've figured out, okay, here are my issues. Here's what I need to work on, whether that be with a, you know, a therapist or an energy worker or yourself through meditation and journaling. Now that you know what you need to work on and it's very clear to you, we next need to focus on rewiring the brain through affirmation and belief and then eventually action. So Positive affirmation is so, so powerful. And repetition and consistency are, again, key. Telling myself on the first day after I've identified my money blocks that I'm a wealthy, abundant, healthy person is not going to do much. But if I tell myself that every single day, that I'm an abundant human being, an abundant soul, I've been abundant since I was born, that I don't need to have the scarcity mindset, that there is always enough, doing that over and over and over again, that's what rewires the brain. Now, if you have incredibly deep-seated trauma around your money, deep-seated issues, and you know it, I don't think affirmation and belief is enough. I think that having outside help, such as EMDR or some form of energy work, is vital. Okay. I have not personally used EMDR, but I've heard phenomenal, phenomenal results from it. It helps us heal from the emotional distress that's being caused by these limiting beliefs we have. So you can look up EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, but also look at how you can work with, with an energy worker. 
if you feel like you need that added support and that added help, it could be through a mentorship. It could be one-on-one coaching. It could be Reiki, which I really hate labels, but I just, I'm just, for the purpose of this podcast, I'm calling it Reiki. I am highly, highly, highly drawn to past life regression. And I believe that's because my soul is so old and I've been here many, many times and in many forms. Most of us have lived many lives. And if if you're listening to this, you most likely have too. And sometimes we can do the work and still have this underlying, like, it's like we have this knife inside of us just digging and digging and digging that wound, like just, just still hurting that wound even though we've done the work and it's like, what's going on here? Why is this still here? I've done all the work. That's when I say bring in past life regression because you can also be carrying subconscious stories and beliefs from a past life. If it's still embedded in your energetic and ethereal body in some way, it could be affecting your energy centers. And past life regression is so, so powerful in looking at what happened to you. What were the traumas in your past lives? If you lived many, many past lives impoverished or enslaved, you could still have a scarcity mindset in this life, even though you lived a childhood in this life that did not warrant a scarcity mindset. So finding an excellent past life regression therapist can be so valuable. And I hope to have one person in particular, I'm not going to mention her name, but uh, there's someone that I've been following for a long time who I adore, who I would love to have on the podcast. Maybe we can have her come on and talk a little bit more about how that can help you with your money story. I would love that. So as you can see, there's, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to to working on your money mindset and your money story and those subconscious limiting beliefs. There's so many things you can do, you know, just feeling all the feelings as they come up, as you begin to journal and really look at the patterns in your life. It's so vital to be able to move forward. And this podcast was designed and created so that I can help you get from point A to point B to point C to point D. I want to help you take the next step. And they just need to be small steps, small steps. That action is what comes next. After you've done this work, you begin to take action and those small steps to get where you want to be. Once you've addressed all of this, it's amazing what opens up in your world. I could talk about this all day long. What I really want to do is have some specialists like a past life regression therapist on and as well as my medical intuitive. I would love to interview her on the podcast and and we can talk through how to work through your money beliefs and your limiting beliefs. And if she's willing, I'd love to have her on because she is phenomenal. And she's helped me so much in working through a lot of junk in my emotional body. And I'm still processing it. And so I don't want you to think in listening to this podcast that I'm on a pedestal. I'm not. I'm just like you. And I'm going through it with you. I'm in the trenches with you. The work is never done, okay? I want to make that incredibly clear. It's once you begin doing the work, you can begin to move forward and take action. But I don't think the work is ever really done. We always have more work to do. 
we always have more stories and more life experiences that lend themselves to embedding themselves within our subconscious and creating these limiting beliefs. Vitally important to continue to do this work and understanding how to do it is the first step, right? We aren't taught how to do this work. Most of us probably did not grow up learning how to listen to our body. Why listen to our body? Because our body is trying to tell us something about what's going on emotionally. We didn't learn that. So working with someone or at least following some of these steps to begin to follow what is my body telling me? What are my emotions telling me? What is my past telling me? What is my money story telling me? It has such an incredible effect on every aspect of your life because you can do this work not just with your money, but with every aspect. You can do it with relationships. You can do it with physical healing, right? If you have physical issues, you can do it with your physical healing. You can do it with your home life, with your family, with your friends. You can look at every aspect and begin to do that work. And once you do the work in one area and you see how it's helped you, and how it's impacted your life, you get addicted. It's like, okay, well, what else can I work on? What else do I need to work on? And you just kind of keep going down that rabbit hole. And it's a wonderful feeling to begin to just release that emotion and release that dense energy. And you just feel so much lighter and more free. And look, this podcast, it's about money. And if there's anything that I'm trying to teach you is that money is impacted by so many other areas of our life. Money is never really about money. It's about so much more in our lives. And I hope that I've just piqued your interest in looking at your own money story and doing some of that inner work. And I look forward to talking about this so much more with some guests on the podcast. I almost forgot to mention to you guys that I have a free guide to working on and understanding your own money story on my website at spiritualperspectivepodcast.com backslash money story. I hope it's helpful for you and I look forward to talking to you next week.